0: From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up. wake up. Wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this
1: is Wake Up Warchant presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One ball,
0: Corner Pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's Aslan Hunchavandi and Corey Clark.
2: Wake up. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up Warchant presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show... When and where will Kirk Herbstreit go into witness protection after drawing the ire of Florida State fans once again on social media? And 40 Good Minutes with Brad Johnson, Super Bowl 37 champion. We talk about everything. His time at Florida State, his time in London, and yes, winning a Super Bowl. Wake Up Board Champions presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com, the website. 2475 Appalachian Parkway. That's the physical address. Top of the Hill. Go check them out. Lunch special on Wednesday. Five-piece chicken wings and french fries. Sauce of your choosing. Can't go wrong. Can't miss. The wings. Fantastic. I would read all the uh, flavor varieties, Corey, but my goodness, there's, I think, probably 20 of them. But not limited to Obi Blend, Mad Dog 537, Carolina Gold, uh, Guinness Barbecue wow they got some exotic i'm, I'm just a buffalo medium guy cory i'm just a buffalo medium guy but variety of plenty for you over at the corner pocket bar and grill check them out and don't forget tomorrow night bingo seven o'clock win money corner pocket bar and grill have you tried any of those exotic uh, varieties of chicken wings Corey,
1: at the man corner pocket
0: bar? i No. i have i've tried the garlic parm which is good stephanie gets that um she also gets uh, oh i can't remember the other one she gets that she really likes but no man mango I'm, habanero I'm pretty boring mild, but it doesn't matter. Any flavor you got, uh, it's good. I can't remember the other one. Gosh darn it. I will before the end of the show.
2: Teriyaki heat, lemon pepper, honey mustard, Carolina gold, sriracha Carolina gold.
0: Carolina gold. Yep, that's a good one. Boom, there we go. Yep, had it. That's a good one. They're all good. I shouldn't say that. That makes it sound like other ones aren't. But uh, Carolina gold's the one she's had that she also really, really likes.
2: Less than 30 days until matrimony, huh?
0: down. Who's counting, though, Aslan? Who's,
2: Who's counting? The life together, man. It's just going to be one day after another. One day better than the next. Uh, In,
0: uh Stephanie's downstairs. She just heard me talking. It's actually the lemon pepper okay. to go along with the Carolina Gold. <laughs> she does not do garlic parm. I've done garlic parm and really like those, two. There we go.
2: Warchant.com, your ultimate selfless sports source. Why don't you hit the thumbs up if you're listening to us on YouTube, maybe five-star rating and review. Oh, I should have had a podcast review up to uh, list off, but I, I don't. I failed everybody, and I apologize. Corey, how are you, man? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. We got a good, good, strong show in the middle of a, a somewhat slowish week when you're talking about college football. Really good interview with, with Brad Johnson. That's fun, everybody. So stick around for that one. It's like almost 40 minutes. Long, with,
0: yeah. yeah. Thanks for him for giving us a lot of time. That was great. We could
2: have kept going, too, I feel like. I feel like he yeah. was in no rush. So uh, we appreciate him taking time out. Um, he is a very beloved person uh, in the Florida state circles. Maybe not as beloved. This happened a couple days ago but we haven't spoke since i you know I, I i'm 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 with you guys i'm on your side i i don't have a pitchfork or a torch but i'm i'm on that side of the the fence when it comes to all this i don't want to say i feel bad for this guy hmm. i just wonder what's okay. going through his mind kirk herbstreit the other day Corey. you guys talked a little bit about this on headlines i guess yeah. uh four page thread on the tribal council yep. kirk just out of nowhere I don't know, man. The hornet's nest was all right, man. Like the horn the, the nest is being rebuilt. DJ Uyunglele is here. Uh, Lola Leheye is here. Like uh, everybody's here. Malik Benson, we're, we're rebuilding the nest. We're all right. We're, we're worker bees. We're making everything go. And then he, he, he tweeted, he, he X'd again saying, uh, no matter how hard this lunatic fringe portion of, well, ed- no,
0: I would, I would suggest you to go scroll down his page because it starts. I can tell you how it started. Uh, which is funny, actually.
2: Oh, there it is. Those are all. Here are all the. Oh, all yeah, the. Yeah, those are the quote tweets. tweets. He, oh, it he went on a.
0: He went on a rampage. So what happens is he somebody tweeted out oh, a Steve picture Young, of Montana. Joe Montana. Yeah. Somebody, somebody did a video of Joe Montana um, score, throwing a touchdown. I don't know against somebody. They won seven to three, something like that in the playoffs. And then Herb Street goes, could watch Joe Montana all day. Poetry emotions, talks about Joe Montana. So obviously, like I told you guys, what happen. Every time he tweets about football, there are going to be dozens upon dozens of Florida State fans tweeting about him about whatever he just tweeted about and turning it back to Florida State. So uh, TQ says, uh, What are your thoughts on Steve Young as his backup? Should they have canceled the season when he came into the game for Montana? Uh, Hashtag hypocrite. And then Herb Street has roly, smiley emojis, and that's it. And then... Just after that, it oh. just starts oh. It starts going on what and on. What is he like,
2: doing? Somebody ESPN, exactly. take the phone away from him.
0: Well, that's the problem. It's like, why does he – and I said this on headlines. Like, I have – I don't even know what I have. Let me look how many Curb Street has. Kirk Curb Street has 1. 1. 1.7 million yeah. followers. Yeah. I have like 40,000, 40, 43,000 or something. That's too many for me to even look in the notifications because I don't want to spend all day arguing with people or the reading something not flattering about myself. So I'll tweet and very, very rarely do I do I look at my notifications just because I don't want to be drawn into something, because I know my personality. Hmm. And Kirk Herbstreet has one point seven million <laughs> followers. And yet he's rolling into those notifications deep into them, looking for any sort of grievance that he can quote tweet back and make fun of the Florida, seemingly make fun of the Florida State fan and argue with the Florida State fan because they still haven't forgotten what happened uh, three months ago. But read that. So it's a bunch of him people calling him saying calling him a clown, a picture of him with a, r- a clown nose on it, him retweeting that, saying, but you're the one that follows me, blah, 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 I'm a corporate shill, LOL, all this nonsense. But do read that last tweet, the one where he kind of wraps it up and stops retweeting everyone.
2: <clears throat> no matter how hard this lunatic fringe portion of the FSU fan base tries, I refuse to hold this against the Knowles and their real fans. Been a fan of Knoll teams since the early days of Bobby Bowden in the early eighties and will continue to respect that brand and its tradition for as long as I'm covering college football. See in Ireland week zero. (laughs) So (laughs) Kirk.
0: It's not it's just not and I and I talked about this on headlines. I just hope he doesn't think he's gonna roll into a Dublin bar the Friday night before the game or the Thursday night before the game, whenever he gets there, or the hotel bar and think that he's going to, like, be welcomed by the real Florida State fans. What does that mean? Because the real ones are pissed off too, man. And, again, th- there's not going to be any violence. There better not be. There should ah. be. That's way, way, <laughs> way above the line. And, look, he is a big dude. I would not, I w- I would not uh, you know, I, I would kind of warn you guys about trying to get into an altercation with him. You don't need to uh, if you guys are listening. I mean, I get you're mad, but, but man, you – he, I'm not saying he needs a bodyguard for personal security. I don't think it'll get like that. But he is not – imagine, like, we're at the Dublin booster party the night before the game and Kirk Herbstreet walks in.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no way.
0: It's going to be nothing but boos. He would be booed so much he'd have to leave. And those, Kirk, are also real Florida State fans. They're in Ireland. They traveled across the flipping ocean to go watch the game. So I don't know that he thinks this is some small sect of Twitter that doesn't speak for the whole fan base. Now look, there's, I'm sure that he gets he gets tweeted a bunch of just awful stuff. I get that those those are the lunatic fringe. But the people that just telling him he's wrong or making fun of his thoughts on you know Joe Montana and Steve Young, uh, you know those are real fans too. And he's he's in it's it's an interesting situation that he keeps doubling and tripling down and even responding to it. But but he does so. I that's that's what I don't understand is why even look why even respond. Yeah. It just brings more and more hate towards you, and the hate not hate might be a strong word. Oh, well, no, fine. it's not. That for that for how he handled himself, people hate the way he handled himself for those two weeks. Well, man, you brought it on yourself. So don't act like the don't do something that completely diminishes the program that these people cheer for. Because they lost one player, and then get upset when they get upset with your opinion. You're allowed to have an opinion. People are allowed to disagree with your opinion. That's how that's how interactions work. And Kirk Street, Here we are in the early February. We are what are we? Two months removed now from it. Barely. Yeah. And he's still he's still egging it on. It's just bizarre.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable now. I feel uh, like I feel the. I, I'm like. Like I'm being empathetic almost to him, which I maybe shouldn't be. Like I, just, I, I, I probably understand like what he's feeling, and I feel bad. But for what? But, him. but, but yeah, you don't,
0: don't yeah. you don't retweet people that tweet you nasty things. No, no. That's because what. all that does is bring more people out that are anti-Aslon, and yeah. they're everywhere. <laughs> everywhere I go in Tallahassee, I bump into people. that Shake are a tree, falling yeah. out of them. So that's like I'm not saying you you, you can't feel. If, well, I mean, look, he brought it on himself because his his opinions were not. There were just, but their opinions, though, man. Imagine right. if he
2: actually was on the committee. Like almost, right. he needs, to, he needs, to, he needs to dox the committee members. Like, here's their Twitter handle. Here's their phone number. But I Text think the
0: people, I think the people think that he has such undue, sway. He has yeah. influence and sway over that committee, and I don't disagree. He also says that nobody watches more co- live college football games than him, which Tom Lang has always been bothered by him saying this when he when people bring up his credentials and why he gets why, how would he know who the best team is and he said literally he tweeted it nobody watches more college football than me he said I watch 11 to 12 live football games every week and Tom Lang's point is well that's just a flat out lie you don't because you're calling a game on a Saturday you're also calling an NFL game on a Thursday so let's say you watch the Friday night game which okay sure let's I'm sure you're dialed into Syracuse and Virginia on a Friday night you're watching every down of that. You're certainly not watching every down of what Georgia-Georgia Tech when you're calling the Florida-Florida State game. You can't. It's physically impossible to watch. Now, he can say he goes back and watches them on tape, but he keeps making a point of saying, I watched them live, which is just bizarre because he doesn't. That is a lie, and it's a provable lie. But, and it's not a misspeak because he's tweeting it, and he continually tweets it. It's like, buddy, you are not watching – Eleven live football games a weekend—that's impossible mathematically with the job you have. So I mean, maybe he's talking about having six going at one time, but does that really count as watching them live? That's like when I'm at corner pocket on a Sunday. I guess you could say I'm watching those nine NFL games that are being played at once live, but I'm really kind of dialed into the Browns or the Falcons. So anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. But like he would, he could earn a lot of credit back. Number one, if he ever ever gave any. Like, other than saying, I get it, I get it sucks for you guys, but if he could ever, like, state the other side and say, Look, I agree, I see what you're saying, but that that Florida State was more than Jordan Travis, and those wins should matter. I just think that Alabama was better, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't really do that. And then the biggest mistake he makes is he keeps interacting with them. Like, why look, Aslan, if you had 2 2 million followers, would you look at your notifications?
2: No, no, absolutely. Why not. is he?
0: I don't know, man.
2: That's weird, right? Well, I guess he's thinking that it should be done by now. But to your point, I guess he still does tweet. Nope. I, you don't look at it, but maybe he wants to see how people are engaging because he's he's talking about stuff that has nothing to do with Florida State, right? So he wants to see what people are, you know, like hey, like I, I want to talk about this Stanford thing or something, you know. So let let me see what people are saying in, in regards to, and it's just two months, every single day of hey. Our backup quarterback uh, yeah. could you know, like it's it's all it's constantly that man, like it's just it's that no matter what, like yeah. Well, I
0: told you it's like with the uh, I, I compared it to uh, the Taylor Swift fans going after Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Like every time she posts something on Instagram, every single thing, and that's her whole life. That's how she built a, I guess, an empire. All these Swifties just respond with snake emojis to everything she's yeah. saying. She could be holding her newborn baby in the hospital and it's going to be hundreds thousands of fans just re- just sending snakes to her because of whatever their stupid uh, I don't know kerfuffle was. So it's it, it that's never going to stop and Herb Street needs to realize this ain't stopping anytime soon and I I don't know what he's expecting in August. I don't know what kind of reception he thinks he's going to get from Norvell. Uh, how that how any of this is going to work. I just hope it's certainly not going to be a fun game day set for him. Uh, wherever they are in Dublin, although I guess they'll be in the stadium, they won't be downtown, so that'll help. But his interactions with Florida, the real Florida State fans, these are real Florida State fans, and they're mad because the stuff you said was stupid, and they all agree with it. And so anyway, a lot of people asked this if we'd ever have Herb Street on the show, and Ira said he he didn't think he could pull off the interview. Uh, Jeff said he you know maybe why couldn't maybe, he pull off the interview? Because he'd get so mad. Oh. That, that he he'd get so mad at him. He he'd have a hard time keeping a professional. Remember Ira he yeah, and no, Ira are pretty no, hard now. Yeah. You were with him. Yeah. Um so and I said I he said He was fine. My,
2: he was fine. He really was he was
0: but but the one thing I would say that I, I said this on headlines, so I'm gonna repeat myself. I apologize folks, but that if I would we should I would say we should do a sit down with him at Ruby Diamond. Like a night with Kirk Corey and Kirk hashing it out. Now, obviously, he wouldn't do that. But the one thing I would have, a, the, the biggest problem I would have would be, I would ask him, because I brought this up, if Alabama doesn't complete that pass against Auburn in fourth and 31, do they deserve to be in the, the playoffs ahead of Florida State?
2: No, they're at two I losses. Feel like yeah,
0: right. I, right but so, so then you're saying, Kirk, that record does matter. Well, either either you loss. think they're the best team, regardless of whatever it says in that L column, or you don't. So you keep talking about how you're tasked with with figuring out the four best teams. Okay, well, then Alabama, whether they completed that pass or not, in your eyes, is better than Florida State. That's one play out of a 1,000 football plays this year. They complete that one, and they're better than Florida State, and if they don't complete it, they're not. So do you see how that seems kind of subjective and, and, and not really it's, – it's not a real measurement? That that and I would want to see what he actually said about that. That's all, and that's where I might have a hard time like letting him continue to talk, depending on what he said.
2: So when I was in television in Mississippi, just there was nothing going on, and I, I had to do a three and a half minute sports cast. But there was, there was nothing going on. There was like no f- basketball games that day. Football was not starting spring. There was just nothing.
0: Can I ask you? So when you did those the the television in Mississippi and Montana and I guess Dothan too, or were we uh, represent? Dothan? Represent, yeah, yeah.
2: Dothan. Yeah.
0: So those little those those the the commercials they have for you guys like the five second and Aslan was sports, right? Right. 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 It, it, this is your story. This is your you know You're action watching, news team, right? Right. And they they put y'all all on the screen together. Yeah. What was your pose?
2: Oh. Um, did you
0: have like a pose? Like did you did you did you kind of look into the camera and point or did you like put your shoulder to the camera and kind of look over your shoulder at it? What would you do?
2: We didn't do a lot of those. Every other station did. And that made me upset. Cause I w- funny enough. More people probably saw me record teases, which is like the 10 second thing you'll see during wheel of yeah. fortune where it's like, right. You know, like a big bombshell for the old miss football team. We'll tell you all about that. It's 10 o'clock, you know, like more right. people saw that than ever watch like a 10, 27 PM newscast but we did a couple of promotion stuff but yeah i was like i'm off to the side because it's the two main anchors and then the right. weather guy like flanked to one side and i'm flanked on the other side and now i'm just i'm just smiling and trying to look telegenic with like my arms crossed in front of myself or whatever so yeah, there's no like there was no like all right like look everyone everyone look down and look up now and stare to you <laughs> right. know there's no, like an acre man yeah wasn't a lot was, of that.
0: <laughs> okay all right just making um, sure but- <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So when you were in TV in Mississippi, no, just,
2: I I will remember this as long as I live, and I probably mentioned on the show once or twice before. And I apologize, but something happened. It was the headline on ESPN.com, dot com, which was like the default, like what's going on the in the national world because like the six o'clock newscast. You you know, old traditional thinking. You probably have some stay at home spouses, you know, watching it. So you're like, oh, we can probably throw some national stuff in there that's of interest so they can talk about it with their spouse when they come home from work or whatever. And like the lead headline even on ESPN.com that day was something about Sam Heard, who I think had left the Cowboys, went to the Bears, and was involved in like drug trafficking. That was the lead story on ESPN.com for like two hours. And like, it was a pretty salacious story. There was all these crazy details about him, like making deals and like in the parking lot of like, and that's all I had. And I had no sound bites. I had nothing. And I went and talked about it for like a minute and a half on the screen with like two graphics and maybe 20 seconds of B-roll. And I was so ashamed of myself. I'm like, what a failure I am that I just made my audience have to watch this nothing burger of a story. Hmm. And then we just talked 15 minutes about bullying Kirkherb Street and it just took well, me back hey, to man. that you, took me back to that hey, spot
1: I,
0: I feel but I feel like at least, this has something to do with the people listening to it, right? it. For all we know, they're tweeting it. The people listening to this are they're tweeting still, they it. They still Kirk probably
2: Street. are. They still probably yeah, are.
0: So, uh, but look, it's it's just not going away, and it's not there go. needs to be. Uh, and I, oh, well, what brought it up initially on headlines was I was like, you, because we were talking about Braden Fisk, and and I asked them who they thought the third player would be, and then how many guys would be drafted, and I, and I said, when do you think Corey Clark might tweet something if Florida State has more guys drafted than Alabama? Mm. You think there's any chance Corey Clark might point that out to lots some? Lots of people? engagement, lots
2: of. Would you tag him, though? Would you tag him?
0: No, I, because I hate that. I hate. I about said a bad word. I hate that stuff. Like, yeah. no, if he wants to see it, he can see it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick a fight with like poke a bear with someone. I just hate that stuff. I hate when all of you folks, and I shouldn't include. I shouldn't say all of you because no, we're no, all the same. He loves you. He loves everybody. But no, but like th- there's there are people that like if I say something that is insulting to. I don't know, man. I'm just making something up. A figure skater. Somebody yeah. will retweet that figure skater, tweet at that figure skater and say, hey, this is what Corey Clark thinks about you. And it's like, come on, man. What are you? A, the, what are you, a yeah. narc? Are you the cops? <laughs> Give me Dude, a people, break, would, man.
2: people would do, like, somebody would say something bad about me on Twitter, and then somebody would tag me in that to, like, let me know. And I'm like, hey, man, awesome. Like, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Like, what, what do you want? Do you want, like, uh, do you want yeah. a, a, a plastic badge to be a deputy on this case there, uh, Buckaroo? But, yeah, people are out there not knowing how to use social media all these years later. So
0: Well, just, you know, I don't, I don't want to intentionally look like I'm provoking someone. But uh, trust me, I will, I will make it a point to, uh, to, to bring that up, even if it's relatively close. If what Alabama we... has 10 and Florida State has 9. I might say, wow! Look at that, and look at all these guys that were drafted before the quarterback got drafted. You know, the one-man team they mm-hmm. couldn't compete because they didn't have their quarterback that got drafted in the sixth round. But they had all these dudes drafted before him, and I hope Jordan gets drafted before that. I'm just saying that's that's where he was mocked to go in one of these uh, way, way, way too early uh, mock drafts. But yeah, and and so yeah, that, I just think that that will never go away. That that's just the brain Fisk is awesome. He's mm-hmm. good. Really good. He's going to be drafted high. So it's Jared Verse and Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson and Jaheem Bell and Trey Benson, Renato Green, Kalen DeLoach. They're all possible uh, draft picks, and uh, they were not just Jordan Travis. And uh, it still bums people out. What's but the number? The reality is this: I think that even if Jordan Travis was healthy, they would have found a way to get the two SC to, to get Alabama and Texas in. Yeah.
2: What is the number right now? Do we think the of draftees for Florida State? Have you guys kicked that around at all?
0: Do you think I? <laughs>
2: Double digits? I'm not
0: smart enough. I I think – so the definites to me are Verse Coleman, Fisk, Johnny, uh, Jaheim. That's five. Uh, Trey Benson, I think you have to draft him somewhere. I know running backs aren't all yeah. that valuable, but that's six. Um, Fabian. And then here are the ones that I'm not 100% sure on, but I think certainly will be. I or put Renardo be. ahead of Fabian, personally. I, yeah, no. Renardo, I think, is almost a certainty. Um, Fabian, Deloach, Akeem, mm. Jarian. I think all those guys could be drafted. Then that gets you to 11. But probably two of them will be drafted. I don't know who. So I think you end up with about nine is what I think. Eight, Probably nine is my – I'd set the over-under at eight nine and a half, half. Or, nine or and eight half. and a half. You're right. I'd set it up at eight and a half.
2: I'm trying to find this list. So I couldn't find it. But I, I think Jordan was ranked maybe like the eighth – Best quarterback, which I was like, man, if you're the eighth best quarterback, that's right.
0: I didn't even mention him. Yeah, I I think Jordan will be drafted, man. Don't you? Yeah, in a year
2: where, listen, man, like Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, those guys are all going like in the top fifteen, right? I mean, like,
0: in, yes, the two of the top, three, maybe top three. Yeah, they might all be the first three picks.
2: So, like in a year where three quarterbacks at least minimum are going to go first round, and then like you know, Bo Nix, Penix, and they're they're probably day two picks, obviously. Man, if you're the ninth quarterback, I think that he was like the ninth quarterback on this list. Which again, I I, don't, I thought on three retweeted, and I can't find it right now. Like I feel like that means he would probably get drafted by that math. Uh,
0: yeah, and I think whatever Ira was talking about, he saw a mock draft that had him going like the sixth round of the Steelers. I, we we talked about that. Like the the beauty for Jordan right now is number one, he he's not going to be expected to play right away. But um, you know, he has an injury that's an awful injury. We we so we, we all saw it. It was not a good injury. But he is not. Lamar Jackson in the sense that his last year he was rushing for 1,000 yards. You know, he his yeah. legs are a part of his game, but he proved that he his brain is the bigger part of the game than, than his legs. I mean, he ran for 100, 150 yards this year. That was not really a big part of his game, and yet he was still really good and a Heisman contender. So I think that helps him a lot, and I think also he's a little bit older. He's very mature. He's a good teammate. And you know what you're getting out of that kid. Good person, he's gonna work hard off the field. You couldn't ask for anything better as a backup quarterback. And I'm not saying he's always gonna be a backup quarterback, but when you're drafting somebody in the fifth or sixth round, they're not starting for you on day one, that's not the plan. But you could get him into your system knowing he's gonna work hard and he won't embarrass you if he's thrust into action. I I would definitely take him, I just, I wonder, I worry about the physical, like what, what they find, what they see and how that worries people because obviously he doesn't have the strongest arm and he's not the biggest kid. His legs are kind of what made him stand out maybe, and would have made him stand out in a combine setting, but he doesn't get to do that now. So that's, that's the only thing that concerns me, but yeah, I would, I would love for, and I'm a Falcons fan. I would love for the Falcons to draft that kid in the sixth round. There's no risk. No. Like, you you know, you're going to back up, you're going to draft a backup center. Like nobody you draft in the sixth or seventh round is even guaranteed to make the team. And I definitely think Jordan Travis is worth the shot, man. I think he's proven that he can he can play football at a very high level.
2: I'm curious to see if we'll ever get if there'll ever be reports about what his the the full extent of the injury was because we know 99% sure like there was a dislocation of the ankle and then a, a break of the leg, but there's also ankle ligaments and things of that nature that yeah. are also involved. So I wonder how much of that was also damaged because yeah, I mean like you know you'll hear Brad Johnson talk about it a little bit later, man. He broke his he broke his leg. But he came back like in the same season, you know. Like a broken leg is not the end of the world.
0: Broke. It's- he did something to his neck too, right? Yeah. He had neck surgery and broke his thumb. Yeah. Like he had all kinds of injuries. Yeah. And he came back. That's a really good interview, by the way. I hope you guys stick around. It's I, I, Aslan did some real research. I just kind <laughs> of did my yeah. own, like remembering what I what I remember from a kid as a kid. Yeah. But you did some real research. I didn't even know he played in the World Football League. That's I a didn't cool story.
2: either until I started doing some research on it. So yeah, we're gonna again we're gonna try to get. I, I, we've got an in now. We've got somebody with a very robust Rolodex, a former Knowles, and anytime I've asked him for somebody's number, he's given it to me within five minutes, and that person has responded to me. So mm. we got a good thing cooking here. We'll, we'll,
0: well, hey, ask for Jordan Travis. We can get to the bottom of that injury.
2: Yeah, we, yeah, we would. Uh, it was CBS Sports. They've got Jordan 9, Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt, maybe the only two guys, and J.J. McCarthy, maybe to some extent, some dubious guys. Who's Michael Pratt? He's a guy from Tulane.
0: Oh, okay. So that was another thing we talked about, Spencer Rattler, because he had a, apparently had a good week at the at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think he only threw four four or five passes in the actual game, mm-hmm. but had a good week during the week. And it's like, man, I just, I mean, he's not going to be drafted high either. I know his measurables are better than Jordan Travis's, but what have you seen from him in actual games the last three years that would make you draft him over Jordan Travis? Unless you just don't think Travis has the physical tools to do it, but because Travis, I think, well, I think Travis is elite in uh, in the brain department, in the football speed department, like diagnosing things quickly. He is elite. You don't only you don't just turn a ball over. What do you turn it over twice in his last twenty games? I don't know what it was. It was ridiculous. Unless you're seeing things very very quickly um and, and use the middle of the field too. I just think he's I don't I don't think there's a risk there at all to draft him. And I I think Spencer Rattler will probably be drafted higher, but there's a you know, he might be drafted so high as he could be called a bust. And I just think that's a mistake. These guys get so in love with measurable sometimes and not just guys that know how to play the game and play it and, and and don't make mistakes. That's a big the guy we talked to in this podcast Brad Johnson, he didn't set the world on fire with his arm strength. He had a nice arm, but it wasn't Jeff George. But he didn't make mistakes, man. And he you know, I don't want to call him a game manager, but he wasn't he he was he was a you knew what you were getting out of him. Consistent dude, solid guy, good player. Um good arm, big size, but not incredible arm. And he played in the league for whatever, 17, years and 17, 17, 17 years. years. Wow. And won a Super Bowl. He so. was he
2: was 40 years old, throwing touchdowns at the Cowboys, backing up. That's uh, crazy. I we thought I
0: forgot about that. Romo, no, what? a. And he played. He started for half a season at Florida State and got beat out. That's a what a crazy story, man. Just a really neat story.
2: I mean, Spencer Rattler, 6'1, 217. So it's not even like a 6'4 specimen or has like out of this yeah. world speed. And to this day, his best season arguably was his, you know, like his redshirt freshman year in Oklahoma where he ended up getting benched for Caleb Williams. He threw for 28 touchdowns, seven picks um, for 3,000 yards. I mean, his first year in South Carolina, 11 touchdowns, five picks. Second year in yeah. South Carolina, 18 touchdowns, 12 picks. This past year, 19 touchdowns, eight picks. And Man, he that's completed a lot of picks. Yeah, he completed like 68% of his passes in South Carolina on average. Um but you know, I mean that's right around where Jordan was and he did not, you know, hand the ball over nearly as much right. as Spencer Haller. So that's that is interesting. Uh, and
0: he didn't lose as many games. I know South Carolina played a harder schedule hmm. you could argue, but uh he didn't lose. I mean, Jordan Travis ended his career on a 19 game winning streak and 24 and 2 in his last 26.
2: What are your thoughts on Carson Beck getting a Lamborghini?
0: Love it. Yeah. Love it. Why not? Why not? Do you think he gets, like, somebody bought it for him, or he bought it himself? He's leasing it, right?
2: Yes, I would hope so. I hope it's, he's got a very good economical, fiscal, safe plan in place, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, he's the starting quarterback that just went 13-1 and one at Georgia. He's coming back. Uh, yeah, he should. You know, what's he supposed to ride around in? A Nissan Sentra? It's a, let, him uh, try, let him ride around a little bit. I mean, it's a little showy, maybe, for my taste. But, you know, whatever.
2: What what's what's Kirby thinking? It's a two hundred seventy thousand dollars car. Atlanta yeah, Autos I, hooked him up on it. I'm sure there's. I don't some know, but like
0: because I live in Atlanta half the time, uh, especially during football season, all I see on my TV during Braves games during in between innings are commercials of Kirby Smart driving in a pickup truck commercial. <laughs> Drive love, around I Athens. Ford. I love my Ford. Yeah, I, uh, all dogs, all dogs want a Chevy. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's like, man, I don't care what I don't care what Kirby thinks. He's had, he hadn't. I don't think Kirby has bought a car for himself in probably twenty five years. Yeah, maybe twenty. He was at Valdosta State when I was, so in the two thousands. So yeah, since he went to LSU as the DC or to be on that staff, I don't think he's bought himself a car. They all get bought for him. So I don't care what Kirby thinks. The caption
2: Lamborghini's was Lamborghini's
0: pretty solid though, man. Lamborghini's
2: pretty well, sweet. Well, check it out. Uh, I'm sure Kirby does approve because uh, the caption was from Atlanta Autos. Shout out to Carson Beck, came through and got not the regular Lamb truck, but the hashtag Performante. So it's a Lamborghini truck, like an oh, SUV Lord. crossover looking thing. Right. So hey. Kirby's probably oh, all right, that's good. Rugged. All right, my quarterback yeah. won't have some. <laughs> oh, oh, he's grit. a tough kid. Oh, grit. Um, I bring that up because I thought we were, we were supposed to speak to DJ. I think they said he was out getting a car. I wonder if, I wonder if, have we got, can we get our guy Lamborghini?
0: Let's see. We'll be in the parking lot. You'll be in the parking lot later on today, right?
2: Yeah. Who do we, who are going to speak to uh later today? We should, um, let me see here. We've it's got a lot. It's a big list. Jalen like, Lucas, Marvin's yeah. Jones, Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sione Lola Heya, and Cam Davis. Oh, and okay. Thursday's right. the big one. Sean Murphy, Earl Little Jr., Jamari Howard, Kai Bates, Charles Lester the Third. And then Friday we get more guys too. Oh no. We get THC, the ultra cool Tamir Hickman Collins, Landon Thomas, and Luke Cromanhawk.
0: That's a lot, man. And I'm I love it. Again, I love the access we get to players, but it's like that's a lot. You don't want it to be stale. That's like what is so we're getting twelve guys in the next Three days?
2: Yeah. You better
0: it's crank out some of, stories, Corey. <laughs> Corey Clark stories coming your way, folks. Get ready.
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll get Lucas Jones Lola Haya. Looking forward to talking to Lola Haya later today. Uh, yeah. and I guess Marvin Jones Jr. as well, because I don't I don't think he spoke at all when he was on campus going through it the second time around. So this will be the first kind of glimpse. And then maybe we'll get some clarification on what Jalen lucas is going to be. They they have him listed as a running back for whatever that's worth, Corey.
0: Okay. All right.
2: So, um, but yeah, I will get DJ. I mean, shoot, how, who's left after this?
0: I thought that, that's Well, that's twelve. We we that's twenty. I think we still got another fourteen, twelve to fourteen newcomers to go. That's yeah, crazy.
2: All right, well, um, we'll do that. But before that, so I'll be ready. I'm gonna take my vitamin Energy Focus. Actually, no, I'm gonna take the Mood Plus today. Why not? I'm gonna go to VitamEnergy.com. I'm gonna put the promo code WarChamp Bogo in there. And I'm going to notice that I'm going to put a second item and that one's free all of a sudden. Crazy, just because I typed in some letters in the proper format, in the proper order. War champ BOGO. Vitamin energy, clinically proven, clinically tested, award-winning, patent pending. Mm.
0: 260
2: milligrams of all-natural caffeine. No smoke and mirrors, everybody. 260 milligrams, all-natural caffeine. No sugar, no GMOs. Just pure, pure vitamins and energy there's chamomile flower extract lemon balm extract passion flower extract rhodiola rosea root extract valerian root extract and five hydroxy l tryptophan so i think maybe this puts like you in the thanksgiving chill mood all in one little convenient shot put in the fridge take half of it that's the way i roll tropical berry it's delicious i like it a lot shake it and take it it's energy with benefits it's vitamin energy i'll go to vitamin what was the promo code again Corey?
0: war champ bogo aslan war champ B-O-G-O.
2: All right. Do it, everybody. Sign up for it. We're going to talk to a Super Bowl champion, Brad Johnson, right after this. As advertised, special guests on the program this week, everybody. We're excited for this one. Six-time letterman, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at Florida State University, Super Bowl 37 champion, uh, Brad Johnson. As the kids know him now, Big Bad Brad 14 on the internet. Brad, how's life, man?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Appreciate you having me on your show. Tell some Florida State stories and Super Bowl stories and all the above. So, but our uh, life's good though. Absolutely. Before we get to that
2: though, this big bad Brad fourteen uh, incarnation of your life, this this third phase, I guess, chapter, the, the trick shots. Everybody's got to go check right. this stuff out on the talk. But um, the one that I saw that that blew me away was you by, behind the backboard, two basketballs, one in each hand, and you threw both of them over the backboard pretty much at the same time, and they both went in. What What is your most impressive? Trick shot to date so far, would you say, Brad?
1: Calais. there's <laughs> well, you know when when people get it, they ask me about that stuff. I tell them three things: one time it's it's first time, first take. That's that's happened. Sure, and absolutely. And then it's a, it's a lifetime of consistent practice, <laughs> and then it takes what it takes. So some of those things have happened fast. Some of those things, have, one one of them took me 15 and a half hours. It took seven days of wow. work. And uh, but the one the the one you talk about basketball. So I've gotten into the basketball thing of um so what it, it takes it's just me a tripod camera and basketballs or football out there so <laughs> so it's just us i gotta entertain the camera but you gotta also gotta figure out how i can you get all those shots involved in one little video and uh, and so uh, yeah that was a pretty cool one it was two basketballs into the hole that bounce it off the ground two go in then two over the backboard that go in so it, it's pretty wild and Right now, I'm working on one that's a sequence. I, I try to do them in sequence, multiple shots in a row, and I got one right now that's about five. It's a spin off the finger. It's it's two basketballs at the same time. Go underneath, it's two basketballs. It's two free throws, and I finish with a kick and a foul shot at the same time. It's it's wild, so it's uh, a lot of fun. If people haven't seen them, I have. it's true jubilation when they, when they work.
0: Man, it sounds like you're enjoying retirement.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, holy it's good, moly. Yeah. 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 I got, I, <laughs> I had fun doing them and hopefully people who they get entertained by doing it too. And they get a few laughs.
0: Brad, my name's Corey, by the way, we've never met, but I grew up a, 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 people that listen to this and watch this know I grew up a huge Florida state fan. And and when you were at Florida state, that was kind of my sweet spot as a, a sports fan. I was like 14, 15 years old. Um, which probably makes you feel pretty old looking at this guy talking about being 14 when you were in college. But, I don't think people realize what a good basketball player you were. I mean, obviously, you're known for what you did on the football field. You won a Super Bowl. You, you played in the league for 10, 12 years, 15 years, whatever it was. Um, but, man, you, you started an NCAA tournament basketball game at Florida State against Iowa. Um, and I just looked it up before we started. You hit all your three-pointers in that game. You had 11 or 12 points. And if McLeod doesn't foul out with a horrible charge call, you'll probably win that game. So I guess I, w- I just wanted to go back to, uh, how you did both, how you were able to do both and do such at a high level, because it was just like, again, we talk about Charlie, we talk about Jameis, we talk about these other two sport guys. Well, man, you started at football and basketball at Florida state and they were good at both when you were there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very fortunate, very blessed with my career and stuff. And, uh, coming out of high school, basketball is my favorite sport. It was a three A player coming out of, the, out of the state of North Carolina. Couldn't decide where I wanted to go. On my recruiting visit to Georgia Tech with Bobby Crimmins as the head coach, I went to all his camps as a kid. And, and I'm sitting there, and he said, "Brad, you got a scholarship to come to Georgia Tech, but uh, what do you know? What do you want to do?" And he said, "I said, well, Coach Crimmins, I don't know. That's why I'm here." He says, "Which one do you think you're better at?" He says, "I think I'm better." I said, "I think I'm better at football. In the long run, I'm better at basketball now." And he said, Brad, do what's best for you in your career. And at that time, he had a guy named Dennis Scott. Mm-hmm. He said, Brad, you can only play five. And uh, he's going to be the All-American. So Dennis Scott changed my life because uh, I chose to go to play for Bobby Bowden at Florida State. And my first year at Florida State, I was being registered on the football team. I went to coach, uh, coach Pat Kennedy. And so I actually just kind of walked onto the team, played two years there, started for, I think, 13 games or so, went to the NCAAs twice. But at some point uh, – <laughs> I wasn't dunking on anybody. I wasn't defending anybody. And I was more just a shooter. But uh, we had some great teams there. and Just fortunate. that I was able to play uh, two years of basketball there. I got Charlie Ward and I. We actually played on a uh, summer league basketball team at uh, Dade Street uh, with, uh, with a few other guys. It was probably the most fun I ever had playing basketball. It was actually with Charlie and Dade Street. But it was pretty cool to say I played both sports. And then, obviously, there's been you know a few other guys that have done that, too.
0: How when we look at your career, and I know it's a different era; it's two eras ago, really. Uh, but like, you didn't get to start until your redshirt junior year. I, I don't know that there's a lot of quarterbacks in this day and age, just because you didn't you didn't have the really the the portal at your disposal. And you're living that life now as a dad, as a dad of two really good college athletes. But do you think if you grew up in this time, your career would have would have turned out differently? Because it's hard to wait, man. At least you had basketball to keep you, uh, I guess, engaged in college athletics instead yep. of just wa- watching, uh, who would you have, Peter Tom and Chip Ferguson and those guys, you at least, you got to still be a college athlete.
1: Uh, times were different. They, they just, they were different. I mean, we used to watch film on VH yeah, films. Sure, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, and so now it's, it's high. Everything is instantaneous. It's different. And uh, I'll say guys are better players now coming out of you know coming out of high school because you're used to doing 707 and um, throwing the ball a bunch in high school and middle school and so you're a little bit more prepared but you know when I came out of high school we we, we were asking to be redshirted like please redshirt me because you wanted that time to develop and grow and just you didn't we really didn't expect to play to maybe our third or fourth year at that time there was when I came in it was Danny McManus and Chip yeah. Ferguson and uh, Peter Tom Willis and Casey well were together, and Charlie Ward came behind me, and Winky, and uh, I mean it was just a list of, of players. And uh, so, um, yeah. And but actually, my senior year, going into my last year, I actually wanted to. I, I talked to Coach Rick about, you know, maybe going to the supplemental draft, maybe transferring to a smaller school, maybe going Canadian Football League, or maybe just quitting football in general and going back to basketball. My my football and basketball career wasn't that great at Florida State from a from a uh, uh performance level i didn't get to start all those you know two or three years in football you know but it worked out and uh but grateful for, for bobby bowden and, Mo- and coach rick and and just the, the growing up here and the, just the competitiveness that took place in practice I was it was incredible and it paid long dividends for me uh throughout my 17 year career
0: why didn't you transfer
1: well, at that time, I, I just said I'm gonna stick it out, and I don't know. I just had I you know, <laughs> not many people had done that, especially dropping down to another level. Right. I, 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 you know, i had to drop down to FCS at that time. It was kind of to be
0: uncommon. eligible, right? To be eligible to play immediately, you would have had to, yeah. Yeah,
1: if you played, if you went to a, a Division One school, you'd you'd had to sit out a year. To drop down a level, you could have done that, but then I'm like my my dreams to play here, and I said if I'm right. good enough, um, someone's give me a chance. Somehow, I got into the combine. Um, Somehow, you know, I was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in the ninth round. The guy that actually uh, drafted me was the guy that recruited me in high school, Jack Burns, uh, who just knew about my story, knew I was kind of a late bloomer. and knew they just kind of had a rough go in college, just things didn't work out for me. So uh, I was four to that time, and things just kind of worked out. But, I, you know, the transfer portal, it's real. And now yeah. what's real is I don't know if I believe in NIL. I believe in collectives. I don't know if I don't know if people are making money at Nil to be honest right with. they're making money in collectives where people are just here you go it's pay for play so right. things are a little bit different now and uh, it does it does change things when when, guy, when colleges bring in players and they hear some collective money it changes things because that, that's your starter and that's your starter and then you know I'm not your guy anymore coach so that's it's, it's totally different nowadays uh, than when we grew up
0: I think you're a pretty good example, Brad, of of the portal being a benefit to the athlete because, look, man, you started half of 1990, then Casey took over, and they didn't lose again until the wide right. So he was very good, but you were very good. You know, he finished second in the Heisman. Well, I don't know, man. You you were a very good quarterback that didn't get a chance to showcase your skills because you were at the same school with another quarterback who was the same age as you, or the same year as you anyway. So in that instance, I I do like the portal. Like Brad Johnson, go give give yourself a chance to shine at Georgia Tech. Uh, Now, you're a different quarterback than Sean Jones, but you could have played quarterback at Georgia Tech. I think that's the good part of the portal is giving guys like you that are very good players, clearly you won won in the long run. We see what's behind you. Um, You did all right for yourself, but it would have been cool for you to get that senior year to play.
1: No doubt about it. So I don't blame, I don't blame the portal. I don't, right. I, it's a, it's another opportunity if a kid needs it, or you don't know what coaches are coming and going a lot more than they used to it. coordinators and who they, who they've given in, you know, to selective jobs and, and things. It's it's a different time now. So I, I think you just got to know when you do leave, it's, you know, you got to have a burden of hand. You don't want to go out there without just like, where am I going to go? Like be careful of that. You better kind of know what's you know the opportunities of the school that you can go to and, so I was, I was, you know, it worked out for me to stay. But you, you go through, you know, Caleb Williams, he just won the Heisman and yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, and Joe Burrow, and the list goes on. So it's worked out for a lot of kids to transfer portal. I don't, I hate it for a lot of different reasons, but it does give you a second or third chance. Two more quick questions I had
0: about Florida State. Then Aslan, I will allow you to talk. Um, best player you played with on the football team, best or against, and best player you played with or against in basketball.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and football, playing with uh, <laughs> our secondary, going against, you know, you look over there and you see Martin Mayhew, who's a yeah. 14-year NFL guy who won a Super Bowl, and there was Dedrick Dodge, who had a seven-year career, and then, then there was uh, Leroy Butler, who just made the Hall of Fame, and then, oh my gosh, there's number two over there, there's Deion Sanders, so... Dion Sanders blows him away for me and
0: T-Buck too. You play, I guess. you buck with T-Buck. Yeah. T-Buck too. Yeah, <laughs> but Dion. So you were a freshman with Dion, or were you? A, was yeah. that your first? Okay, he, what was he, that was, like? he was
1: a year. He was a year ahead of me. But okay, Dion. To, to me, Dion was the best ever, especially for me at Florida State. Um, he took away the field. He dominated the game. Um, incredible NFL player, all of the above. So um, you know, I will always make way for Dion. Uh, prime time, and then. The best basketball player I played against, I mean, we I think going against Louisville, we beat those guys. We won the metro metro won the metro conference one year and uh never nervous Purvis and Ellison Purvis Ellison yeah. and then uh playing against BJ Armstrong and, the, and those guys at Iowa in the uh, in the championship. Then up in Virginia Tech, Bimbo Coles, who was actually, I think, in the Olympics. And he was <laughs> no joke, man. Yeah, he was no, no joke. No joke,
0: that
1: guy. Yep. So it's uh, it's incredible. I gotta play against a lot of great players. Football and basketball, and uh, just blessed to be able to do that. Who but, was the
0: uh, kid at Memphis that had the goggles that would always well, light y'all yeah. up?
1: Yep, Elliot Perry.
0: There it is. That's <laughs> right. That guy was incredible too.
1: Yeah, he's up and down the court. The Metro at that time: uh, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Southern Miss, uh, Tulane, Cincinnati, Louisville. Uh, Memphis. I mean, it was, I mean, there were a lot of great players, underrated players. They're just great, great yeah. players. Just to get, just to get the national attention. But it was a tough conference.
0: And I assume you'd lock them down, right? When you're on defense, you don't let anybody <laughs> get by you.
1: <laughs> I had five fouls to give, you know. <laughs> so it was. Uh, man, it was a fast game. I and mean, you just would know, realize you just can't get your shot off. You don't get to like you're not there like playing horse. You don't get the set shot, and then right. you got to finish to the hole and rebound the ball. Like it's a, it's an explosive game, but. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a long long arms game. I had short arms, short legs. So,
2: <laughs> Brad, you know, as Corey mentioned, you know, at Florida State, you, you get that opportunity to start uh, during the season, and, and then Casey takes things over. Yep. How did you go about trying to continue to improve, even though kind of the writing was on the wall? I mean, I've gone to the archives and read some stuff, and I don't know if you are one of the, maybe the first guys on campus to have a performance coach and Alex Serrano, but what were the kind of yep. things that you did, the goals that you had? to try to continue your career, even though you knew things were maybe kind of slipping out of your hands in terms of trying to play for Florida State at that point?
1: Yeah. Uh, Casey and I, we talked about a list of quarterbacks that were there that we were competing with. And then obviously Casey and I, we were best friends. We came in the same year. Uh, they told me Casey was going to be a scrawny kid from North Florida Christian. He'll never play there. And they told him I'd be a skinny kid that just play basketball. You know, <laughs> we we're both all Americans coming out of high school and all that stuff. And so, it, it, you know, it didn't work out well. It, I, I didn't play bad at Four State. I just didn't just never happened. It's kind of weird. I, I started, you know, six games, I think, and and uh, they made the move. Casey played awesome. Was a runner up to the Heisman with number one team in the country. And, you know, I just felt like, man, it's just a matter of time. And so I had a trainer there named Alex Serrano, he was actually from uh, from Chile. He ran the – He's a dorm manager. He had a guy's PhD in sports psychologist, and we were very – we were close and still to this day. We did a lot of sand plow metrics, and uh, I don't know if you remember out there. <laughs> the old volleyball court was spent a lot of days in that hot sand at 1 o'clock. And uh, messing balls, sand plows, um, you know, everyone said I was too slow and all those kind of things. And then we read a lot of different books, how to control your breathing. And so it, we knew that there was going to be a moment that was going to come in my time uh, for my career, but it just wasn't happening at that time at Florida State for me. Could not give up. I was going to give myself every chance to go to the combine, to get in the NFL, and just was afforded to you know, be ready at the right time when it happens, and uh, so that's what happened. But, um, you know, a lot of people have horror stories of their coaches and all they have excuses. Like, I have all the – even those things didn't go well for me, like had so much respect for Coach Bobby Bowden, so much respect for Coach Mart Rigg, who's now my – my brother-in-law hooked me up with his sister, Nikki. So, I mean, it's it's just a strange, weird story that just is kind of a, you know, I love going back to Tallahassee, being back, you know, being a Seminole. Like, just very grateful for my time there, even though my career didn't go the way I wanted to go on the field. And uh, but I've made so many lasting relationships and and uh, just a bond with so many players on those teams. I mean,
2: you got that flag behind you, Super Bowl 37. Uh, you obviously led the Bucs to that championship, the first in their franchise history. But that wasn't an easy path either. I mean, I kind of want to maybe zip through some of the parts of your career, but can you can you walk us through 1995 and going and playing in the World League uh, for the London Monarchs? Was that something that you thought of? The coaching staff in Minnesota had to allocate you. Did your agent talk to you about it? What was what was that point like? And were you married? I mean, did you have to move you and the the, de- <laughs> the wife to London? How did that go?
1: Yeah, little all the above. I was ninth round pick coming out of out of Florida State, 14th quarterback chosen. I was there with uh, Minnesota, Rich Gannon, Jim McMahon, and then Warren Moon. I felt like I was ready to play in my third or fourth year. Like, I was ready. But then I, I was backing up Warren Moon. He's a Hall of Famer. Like, how is it going to happen? And so uh, the World League had taken place back in, like, 1989, 1990, and then went away. It came back there in 95. And I asked the coaches, like, let me take this. Ch- I want to take the chance. So it was the boldest move in my career to go play in the World League. Nin- 19 quarterbacks went over there. Only three came back. And you you hear the success stories of whether it's mine, Kurt Warner's, uh, John Kidna, uh, some other, a couple other quarterbacks that went over there and they came back and had success. But, you know, (laughs) went over to London, got to be a starter, make plays, make mistakes uh, for 10 games. Um, The stadium, I think we had nine or 10,000 people in the stadium. The end zones were only seven and a half yards deep. And it was the boldest move of my career to go over there and play and put it out there and then come back with Minnesota Vikings then but my dad always told me he says it's better to have it's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared so I know I needed that time to go play because I didn't play that much at Forest State I hadn't played that much in Minnesota in my first few years and so I was thankful for that time to play for the London Monarchs
0: so you did it just for game reps essentially just to get like with yeah. people coming at you and, and to feel the blitz and to read a defense and instantaneously, like that was why you were doing it?
1: Uh, all of the above, to go be a leader, to go prove that I could be yeah. a starter. And so the hardest part about it, which I was, it worked out great for me, being in Minnesota there for three or four years, I knew the system. Then I had to go to London and learn a whole new system and then come back because you're missing uh, mini camps, OTAs, yeah. and then you start running for training camp. Well, I already knew the system. A lot of quarterbacks that go over there, They didn't know their systems coming back to an NFL team, hoping to get back. So I knew it, and I went as a backup. Eventually, Warren moon got hurt, and then I ran off with it. But that time in in London was uh, pivotal for my career.
2: Yeah, so you come back, and you finally get a team to lead, obviously the Vikings. Uh, In 98, there's this rookie from uh, Marshall uh, that ends up being pretty good. You threw two touchdowns in in week one, Randy Moss. Uh, You end up also throwing the ball to Keyshawn Johnson. But back to London real quick. Did, was LeVar Ball a
1: teammate of yours? How <laughs> I many LeVar Ball yeah. stories for us? <laughs> man, there's a lot of stories here in London. You know, tell some, save some, don't tell it all. But I mean, <laughs> LeVar was on the team and he was a tight end. And our tight end, the starting tight end was Michael Tidley. He was great. Came from Iowa, played at Buffalo for a little bit, but LeVar Ball was, man, I was like, golly, who's this big old dude, with these muscles? And like, golly. He was always. He always said he's going to be famous. He said, mm. "I'm going to be famous." Huh. And and every day off, he he was in France or he was in Spain. Like I don't know how he got to where he got. Like it was. <laughs> and then you know just I just remember this big guy. He didn't play that much for us. And then you know 20 years later, I'm, like, I'm hearing about his kids and you know the big baller brand and all the above. So, but a fun guy to be around and and uh, kind of fun to hear the stories of him now. Uh, what he's done with his kids and all the above.
0: Do you have any big baller
1: brand shoes? <laughs> I do not. Oh, I do not. that's too bad. I, do, I, ask I, got, some. I got the BBB big, bad Brad stuff. That's about <laughs> that's it. <right>. So.
2: <laughs> for you, Brad, was it, was it bittersweet? You know, 98, that was what 15 and one with the Vikings and Gary Anderson missed the field goal. And, you know, Randall Cunningham gets a big contract after that. And it kind of seems like, you know, you're going to have to move on again, but the, you know, the commanders now, but the Washington football team, you know, gives up a first round pick, I think a second round pick, a third round pick to get you. I mean, yep. was it, was it a bittersweet thing? Were you excited to go work under North Turner and see a team invest that much into you and know that, you know, once again, you're going to have a shot to keep a, a team as, as a leader.
1: 98 was a crazy time for me a little bit. Uh, Cause at the end of 97, I had a major, major neck surgery. I lost all the hand strength in my arm. Yeah, so you, you woke up. So can you, I mean, I don't
2: want to yeah. gloss over all this stuff. You just yeah. woke up one morning and things just didn't feel right.
1: Yeah, in '97, at the end of the season, we were playing uh, Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football. Woke up with a crick in my neck. I couldn't move. I I, I couldn't even drive to the game. My mom drove me to the game. I was playing during the middle of the game, second quarter. The ball was falling out of my hand. It was just it was ugly. They pulled me, got me out of the game. Um, next morning, I wake up, did a hand hand test. I had six percent hand strength compared to my left hand. It was unbelievable. Couldn't pick up. Uh, uh, couldn't pick up my hat. It was done. And, uh, and 36 hours later, had neck surgery, had to come back, recover from it. Going into that 98 season, started the first two games of the year, got hot, threw seven touchdowns, I think, in the first two games, broke my broke my ankle, mm-hmm. missed the next six weeks, came back. Game nine, broke my thumb, mm-hmm. and then I was out for the season. So that team went 15-1, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise that year because I don't think I could have played – with the injury that I had for my neck in '98, and then that's when the move was made. Uh, you know, got traded to Washington. love playing in Washington for North Turner. Uh, impacted my career big time. I was able to make the Pro Bowl. We led the, uh, won the division there in Washington my first year, and so it was just a change that took place. It was it was no animosity. It was just it kind of worked out for for Minnesota and myself at the same time. You go to you go to Tampa, and. Tony is the coach,
2: and then you you feel comfortable in Tampa. You made the choice to go there, and then John Gruden shows up. Was that like, oh gosh, here we go, a, a new coach? I'm gonna have to prove myself again. What were, what were the emotions when uh, Tampa made the coaching change going into 2002?
1: Yeah, and uh, we, we we'd won that we uh, we made the playoffs with Tony Dungy as the head coach. Uh, we get beat in the playoffs by Philadelphia. Next day, the day before the the playoff game, they Tony told the team, he's like, "Listen, I'm good." The owner said, I'm going to be back next year. Let's just go play. <laughs> we lose the game. He got fired. Like, what just took place? And so for about – it took uh, the owners of Glaciers about six weeks to decide who the head coach was going to be. And so they brought in John Gruden. When they did, immediately I called Rich Gannon, who was, you know, the starter at Minnesota with me. Uh, and then he played for Gruden at Oakland at that time. And, uh, and Rich is like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm ticked because you're, you're taking my head coach, my play caller. And uh, he said, I'm excited for you, Brad, because he's going to program you in ways that you've never been programmed before as a quarterback, teach you the offenses and defenses on both sides of the ball, and just have you audible ready and all those kind of things. And he said, you're going to love playing for him. And uh, so Gruden came in. I had my first meeting with him, walked into his office, and it was a dark, like, little small cave. <laughs> it was always dark because he was watching film, and he, he turned on, like, a little light, and he said, Brad – he says, uh, we're going to win a Super Bowl this year, and uh, we're going to declare war on our defense, the number one defense in the world, Warren Sapp and John Lynch and Ronde Barber. How's our defense going to stop blast off the Joker right, X short, 22 X drive, halfback, burst? And how's our defense going to stop triple right, F right, 358, Nebraska, X seam? So what he did, he brought in uh, competitive juices on the offense and defense the size of the ball. Brought in about 15 free agents that year. Uh, from uh, Joe Jeravicious and Ken Dilger and Ricky Dudley and Robert Oba and Michael Pittman, the list goes on. And uh, so it was really, I love playing for Gruden. It was just a weird uh, weird exit. You leave Tony Dunger, who had been a Hall of Fame coach and won a Super Bowl with Colts. And then I got a great coach in John Gruden. So it's fortunate to play for both of them. At,
0: we're, we're in Super Bowl week, obviously. And a lot, you know, I was just thinking while you were talking, like Brock Purdy is getting a lot of attention because he was Mr. Irrelevant, he was the last pick. Well, he was the last pick of the seventh round. You, my man, were picked two rounds later than Brock Purdy. So you getting to a Super Bowl is really a testament uh, to, to self-belief and, and, having, and self-confidence and hard work uh, and stick-to-itiveness and all that. But I, but I wanted to ask, what is it like you, – you, by the time you had played in the Super Bowl, I think you had probably played in 110 NFL games. What is that 10 minutes like before the Super Bowl? or when you're hearing the national anthem, I don't know who's saying your national anthem, but, yeah. uh, but, but who, what is, what are the nerves like? Are they different? Are they crazy? And how do you control them?
1: Yeah, it's uh Cal. Hey, it's, 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 <laughs> you make the hair tingle on my back right now. So it, it's, uh, it's different. It's different. And so for the guys that play in it, to lose, they'll tell you it's, the games, you know, it's just a big party and, it's overrated. The guys that want it, they'll tell you it's the best day of their lives. Yeah. And uh, Celine Dion saying God bless America. And <laughs> the Dixie Chicks saying the national anthem. And, wow. Uh, Don Shula and Bob Greasy and Larry Zonker out there doing the coin flip. And, and you know, you're sitting there all, your whole life. You've, you've eaten popcorn and had drinks, sitting there watching the game. And then next thing you know, you're in that game and the world's watching you. And uh, that at that time, there was only one week in between the Super Bowl compared to yeah. two. And uh, it's mayhem when the game starts. It's, it kind of turns into like another game, but as it as it takes place, and then at the end of the game, it's a little bit different because there's confetti that falls, and it's, it's an incredible moment to be a part of during that game. And actually, at the end, of the, I brought a picture. I don't know if you can see it, but this is the picture after the game when I got to take a picture with John Gruden and my wife Nikki, seven months pregnant, and I'm holding my son uh, when she's pregnant with Jake, and then my other son Max, he's two years old. And we We're saying we're going to Disney. You know? Oh, nice. so it's, it's pretty pretty cool to be a part of that game. But uh, you know, Rich Gannon, Jay Rice, uh, Tim Brown, uh, Bill Romanowski, mm-hmm. Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, like Hall of Famers on both sides of that field. And uh, so it's pretty pretty cool to say you got to play that game and then to have won it.
0: And Derek Brooks obviously was one of the biggest stars on that field. Yeah, uh, and maybe I honestly maybe the best player on the field. But, I mean, he was just incredible. He was probably one of the best outside – not probably. He is one of the best outside linebackers that, that ever lived. Well, you were there when he was a freshman. Yeah. When he came in all Ballyhooed, USA Today, Defensive Player of the Year coming into Florida State, along with Marquette Smith. What did you think of Derek Brooks when you first saw him?
1: Derek at that time was – I think he came in as like a the strong safety. safety. Yeah, he was yeah. a safety. And, and, you know, you can bring in the list of all the guys that came in. And – you know, so you signed 20 All Americans or whatever. Everybody's all state, all American, right. like whatever. Like you really don't think anything about it at that time. All right, here's a new group of young freshmen coming in. And eventually Derek earned his way and then was an all-American at, at Florida State, like he was in high school, then became a you know, eventually the Hall of Fame of the pros. And but just I remember he was he was one with uh, great leadership, mm-hmm. great work great work work ethic, and just a the same guy he was then as he was now, but he had to find his way as a freshman yeah. through sophomore and junior year, then become the man that he, he became. And, and, uh, but that, you know, the stories that could be told at, at Burt Reynolds Hall, you know, From <laughs> I mean, it's pretty incredible to listen. you know, just all the, we got, this camaraderie back at Florida state back in the day when you lived in a, in a, in an athletic dorm, they had dorm checks. And, but I remember on Friday nights, you know, guys would be playing checkers or chess. And then all of a sudden it, you know, later they they it'd be a, a race out there in the parking lot. Who's the fastest, mm, you know, as you see in Randy Moss and trail Buckley and, you know, sprinting out there between cars. It was a pretty cool time uh, at that time at Florida state.
2: Right. I know, you know, you know, you're not the czar of college football. I don't, I don't know if you have any solutions, but you know, what is your take on the sport at being a spectator, obviously having two sons that are still playing the sport. I mean, we talked about NIL and collectives and, you know, I guess a lot of us are just kind of told that we need to embrace change. And kind of deal with what's happening to the sport. I mean, in your mind, is this the best path forward right now? What this sport is, the track that it's on, or are you hoping that there's going to be some kind of sensible change done to kind of preserve some of the integrity or some of the the tradition of the sport of, of what we grew up watching and how you played the games?
1: Uh, it's different. And good luck to all those parents and, and high school kids that are going through college. You know, you can have great experiences, and you want to get your education. Um, the memories that you can take place, and the, you know, hope to be a part of a team that can play for a championship and, and compete, and have a, a coach that you can look back one day like Bobby Bowden said, "That's a man of integrity." Uh, that's who I, that was my coach. You know, that was my team. And things are different now. It's you know, everything's instantaneous from uh, social media. Uh, you know, how, how, <laughs> the the, the portal interesting. You can say great things about it. You can say negative things about it. Um, the NIL thing, I don't believe in NIL. Like I said, I believe in the collective. And so I I don't know. I wish there was a set guideline that they could take place on this thing. But now you're getting kids in in high school. Um, You start transferring in middle school if you're a quarterback to get yourself set up for high school. And uh, so it's it's real. You have an agent coming out of high school sometimes, a handler. (laughs) I wish there would be some guidelines on this thing. And, you know, they never – I think they – they put, the, they put the cart before the horse on this one. So good luck to all those making the decisions. And it's a, it's a tough, tough thing for kids to go through. But at the end of the day, you want those kids to have a great experience, uh, great relationship with their coaches, get your education, get your degree. And then hopefully, you know, you can get your dreams come true as far as what you perform on the field and hopefully get a shot at the pros.
0: What, what kind of sports dad were you? Are you?
1: You know, growing up, I was fortunate with my, my dad actually got to coach me in all my leagues, baseball, football, oh, basketball, okay. and those kind of things. And I was blessed to do the same thing with both my boys, Max and Jake, coached them in all the sports uh, all the way through, you know, youth football all the way through middle school and high school. And so it's pretty cool to do that. Now I'm just a dad sitting in the stands eating popcorn. And, Are you nervous? And, uh, um <sighs> I don't know if I'm nervous. I i can't yell down there and say, hey, here's the blitz, and here's what's coming. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. there's, there's, you know, A&N, there's 180,000 people there there, yeah. both kids at North Carolina. But, no, you, you're excited for your kids because, you know, they worked hard, they're prepared, and and you just wanted to be, a you know, be coached in the right way and those kind of things and just let them blaze their own path. You know, so I'm, yeah. I can't really say I'm nervous. I'm kind of excited for them, and I know they've done the work and trust in that.
0: You know when they show these parents in the stands, and I have a son that's a 15-year-old uh, baseball player, not nearly at the level of your kids, but I get nervous when he's at bat. Just for him, I want him to succeed. And you'll see some of these shots of parents in the stands, and they look like they're about to throw up. They're so nervous. But you, oh. I, they've shown you in the stands a few times before too. You don't look, you look, you look excited when they do well, but you don't ever look like, oh my God, he's about to vomit on that person in front of. You.
1: <laughs> well, I, I listen to. I like to just sit right beside my wife. Okay, she sits. We sit right by shoulder to shoulder. And I wear these big headphones with yeah. my little radio on there, and because I like to listen to the commentators and kind of what's going on in the game. And old school. And, that's old, old school, right? Uh, there. I wear the big yeah. headphones. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how to download anything. I got right. this little AM/FM radio that listen to. <laughs> so, but um, you know, that's the way I listen to the game. We kind of we're nudging each other the whole time, and and those kind of things. But. Um, you know, sometimes you got to cover up your mouth because you might say something. You know, I got caught one time, but but um, it it does happen. But you you just want good for your all the all the kids on the team. You know the work like the work level they put into it's a lot. And I mean there is a lot at stake every time those kids go out there on that field. And but then the the day you want them to live out their dream, blaze their own path and do their own thing. And and so for us, it's really strange. As you know, one's a quarterback, one's a receiver. I mean a tight end. And so like you're just um. You almost become, you know, how was your day? Good day, bad day. You become a you know, psychologist at times. You know what I mean? How do you deal with this? This one just had a great day. This one had a tough day. This one, the coach yelled at. And this one is praised. And then, you know, and then deal with all the social media part of it. That's that's a whole different deal too. Right. So, uh, but you just want to be there to support your kids, and that's what we try to do.
2: We've kept you way too long. I got, I got one last question for for me, Brad. Just back to the that Super Bowl game. Um, you know, obviously Michigan came under fire into their uh, path to a national championship because of uh, their sort of system of figuring out signs and things of that nature. You guys did it the the right way, the legal way, the ethical way. Your head coach, John Gruden, obviously came from Oakland. Bill Callahan took over. That was his yep. offensive line coach. Were you ever more prepared, ever more confident going to a game, oddly enough, than the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, it's a great thing you bring up. So a lot of people said Gruden knew we knew their plays. Because of Gruden, you know? What's interesting for them, they had Gruden for four years. Yeah. They knew our plays better than we knew them because we were in the first year of learning them. So, <laughs> but with John Gruden, he was unbelievable. When you came into meetings every day, like, it was it – was, it was, his, his hair was on fire. You were always prepared for what's next. The moment was never too big because of the pressure you applied in pressure and, and practice. And uh, so I love playing for Gruden. And he had us, you know, he he spurred on the defense as much as he did the offense for us. And uh, we had great coaches on there. So I, I love playing for Gruden he got you prepared like no other. And and so the Super Bowl was kinda for us it was kind of anti climatic because us beating Philadelphia in the vet last game of the season, our nemesis, that was probably as big as anything to us beating Philadelphia on the road in the vet, and then playing the Super Bowl after that. Cold yeah, weather that game, was that, that was where won you won it, groups. right? Yeah, we could. We Philadelphia beat. We played Philadelphia five games at 19 game stretch. Yeah. And uh, th- uh, two of those were in the playoffs and how the games went. And uh, man, great team, great coaches, and all that kind of stuff. But beating them, they were our nemesis, and beating them was like that propelled us to do what we did in the Super Bowl.
0: Brad Abo, quick trivia question before we, we go. Do you know your longest career rush in the NFL? How long it was?
1: I do. I, I believe it's 28 yards. There you go. What it happened? Was a, it, it was a uh, actually it was third and four, and they had two wide three techniques. The guards were kind of like wide. I'm like, holy smokes! So I actually checked to a uh, a QB sneak on third and four, and it kind of surprised everybody. And I ended up running for 28 yards. And I'm running, and I'm like, please somebody tackle me because I did not feel good in space. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> so that was my longest run.
0: And are you still the – are? are you, were you the last player to throw a touchdown to yourself? Are you still the only player that's done that? You did do that,
1: right? I did do it in uh, 1997. I believe it was 97. Yeah. Uh, touchdown pass, touchdown catch myself. And then later Marcus Mariota did it with the uh, Tennessee Titans. Oh, man. Um, Come so on. So we kind of did. so, But it was, it was pretty cool to say you're the first. Yeah, and, right. Uh, we, when it happened, we did not have a clue what it was. We we didn't know. and and then the next day, we found out it was, you know, twelve points in fantasy football. I was going to say that's and a big uh,
0: fantasy. That's a big fantasy yeah. play where you throw it and catch it. So the guy deflected it. You use your athleticism to catch it and go house it in the end zone.
1: That was the remake of the longest
0: yard. Mm. So
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and it actually ended up winning an ESPY for Play of the Year that year. So it's pretty cool.
0: And the Knolls play North Carolina this year, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, actually play down in uh play down in tallahassee so No, i'm not cool. going to
0: be dumb i know you root for your sons family yeah. trumps everything i'm not going to ask you that yeah. but will you uh will you go to some of your old haunts when you're down here i don't know how <laughs> often you get back to go to tallahassee but
1: yeah. i assume
0: you're looking forward to that trip just to go down memory lane a little bit
1: yeah i actually came back i've been back a few times uh been back for a couple of basketball reunions. It was just mm, down there about right. two weeks ago. That's right. That's right. And uh, man, got so many great friends and stuff all down there. So yeah, we'll definitely be be, be down there. I'll be dressed in blue this time, mm. the one the one time. But uh, right. man, I, I'm you know, l- listen. I lived went to school there at Florida State for five years. Lived in Tallahassee for fifteen years after that. Right. And then uh, our kids were born in Tallahassee. So I mean, I just can't tell you the impact of just. That decision for me to come to Florida State as a as a high school kid out of Black Mountain, North Carolina, was the best decision I made in my life because it was, I was I wasn't just choosing a school I was I t- I chose a place where um, to play for Coach Bowden and Coach Rick was like men of integrity and just um, thankful for everything that Tallahassee and and those people and the, and the people of Tallahassee and people of Florida State have have given me over the years.
2: Brad Johnson, y'all. Two sports, Santa Florida State Super Bowl champion. Thanks so much for taking time out. This has got to be one of the best weeks of, of the year for you, I imagine, right? Everyone, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, well, and
1: it yeah, again. it just makes you pinch yourself, like, golly, that was us. We got to go through that. And you're excited for those quarterbacks because it's a man. It's when you when somebody's going to win it, they're not going to sleep for three days, going through the parade and going through the what it, what it kind of brings to their career, and it's just so hard to get there. There's only 34 quarterbacks that have won it. There's only 30 that are living. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, one of those two guys, what's going to happen for them.
0: That's a great fraternity to be in, man. That's like people that walked on the moon. Like that's a very rare uh, population to be a part of. There's only 30 of you guys still around. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, think about how the, I many there's more Kentucky Derby winners. There's more guys <laughs> that have won the Masters. Right. More presidents. Right. More uh, guys. I mean, it's just it's a small club to be a part of. So it's a pretty, pretty, pretty awesome find them
2: on social everybody big bad brad 14 on TikTok. <laughs> we're, we're gonna wait for that that I five can't wait. trick shot danzia
1: it's crazy it's gonna happen it's <laughs> gonna happen this week it is nuts so the social media the instagram and twitter that's brad underscore johnson uh, underscore 14 and the big bad brad 14s on tiktok but it's 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 wild so have fun with it thank brad you brad. So i appreciate it, guys thank y'all
2: MyBookie.ag, promo code Warchant Gets you an instant cash deposit bonus when you sign up for the first time over at MyBookie.ag. Big game this weekend, y'all. Niners-Chiefs. Two points to spread. Niners favored, which I don't know, man. I'm rooting for the Niners, but I wouldn't be mad if the Chiefs won. You know, Taylor Swift and everything. 47.5 total points. I just feel like that's stinky, kind of like the Niners are favored by two. Like, like who would bet against... Patrick Mahomes, his defense looks great. They're the underdogs. I feel like you have to almost have to lean into the stink, right? And, and say that the Niners are going to win? I feel like that's what they're trying to get us to do, but I don't know. I mean, they, they want to get in your minds and mess with it. But you know better, so make your pick. MyBookie.ag, promo code is Warchant. That promo requires a $50 minimum deposit and a rollover requirement of one-timer deposit total, including your bonus for withdrawal. For full terms and conditions, visit MyBookie.ag slash about dash us. All right, that is a wrap for us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much to Brad. That was awesome. I literally was like, hey, man, 10, 15 minutes on the podcast, uh, and then, you know, 25, 35, and it's like 40 minutes of it. He's awesome. Follow him on social, Brad underscore Johnson underscore 14, or Big Bad Brad 14 on the Tiki Talk. Uh, that's it for us. Very abrupt. Sorry about that. We'll have a mailbag, maybe posted on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. We'll take tomorrow off, but we'll be working. We're going to do all these interviews later today, so that'll be up on the website. But we're going to speak to a whole bunch of guys on Thursday as well, so we'll do a show on Thursday after we're done talking to all these kids. It'll be about like 10 kids almost we have spoken to, uh, and we'll put a show together, maybe some mailbag, maybe not, depending on how uh, you know inspiring the comments and quotes from these young men are. Go to WarChant.com. Subscribe, everybody. You're missing out. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. For Cora M. Aslan, thanks for listening to Wake Up Board presented by Corner Pocket Barn Grill.